So I come into the shift and I'm trying to be the happy person. I'm here. Hopefully I'm recharged and I'm ready to take on all this stress that you guys have been going through here and limit some of that, you know. Obviously there's an issue or I wouldn't be here. Welcome to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast, where we explore the business and profession of emergency medicine. I'm Leon Edelman, an emergency physician and co-founder of Ivy Clinicians. Today's guest is Dr. Jamila Goldsmith, emergency physician, chair of ASEP's Locum Tenens section, and host of the Locum's Lounge podcast. I'm excited to talk with Dr. Goldsmith today about all things Locum Tenens. For Jamila, doing locums was the right choice. We'll get to that in a minute. Another choice that was supposed to be clear was specializing in surgery. Dr. Goldsmith believed it was something she was meant to do. I did my rotation in emergency medicine. It was the last rotation of fourth year, like literally a few days before graduation. And I remember telling one of my friends and I, that I actually trained with at University of Chicago, I think I made a mistake. I really felt like emergency medicine, I found my people. I could be myself. I enjoyed the procedures, taking care of, you know, everything that walked through the door. And I knew then that this is what I'm supposed to do. We're lucky to have Dr. Goldsmith in emergency medicine. But what about her decision to become a locum tenens physician? What I really wanted is to wake up and not have someone dictating what my schedule is Mm -hmm. for the month, where I have to be. I wanted to have some input on that. I wanted to be able to say, you know, I think I'm going to work six days this month as opposed to 10 because I need that for me. And locums afforded me that opportunity, not to mention the money was really good. And so I thought it would be a one-year thing where I try this out and, you know, maybe it'll help me figure out where I want to land. And then it just turned into like a full-time job and this is my career now. That's awesome. Yeah, and one of the things I wanted to explore in a little more detail is how locums works. It seems like there are folks in emergency medicine who understand it and have done it. There are a lot of people who have never done locums, never even worked with locums physicians who locums is this foreign concept to. So what would you say the main benefits of being a locum doctor other than the the pay? What what are the benefits that that you get out of being a locum doctor? I get this question a lot when I'm on assignment. People are definitely curious about how did you get into this? How do you make it work? You know, you're a mom. How does that work? To sum it all up, it's really about limiting my exposure. I am the one who can limit my exposure. And, you know, burnout is real. And a lot of the things that contribute to burnout are hours, you know, the the workload when you get there, if you know, if you don't have a ton of resources in the hospital, a lot of that falls back on us. A lot of that liability falls back on us if something goes wrong. And so we all know when we go to work, you do your you do your shift, however long it is, nine, 12 hours, but at the end of it, it's over. What I learned about myself is what I what my limitations, what my boundaries need to be for me to thrive as an emergency medicine doctor. And so locums has allowed me to say, you know, I I only want to work 
my days in blocks. I only want to work two, three shifts straight and that's it. I don't want to do three, fours. I, I used to do that out of residency would work four, 12 hour shifts straight. I'm not doing that now. Not doing that now. Why? Why am I doing why was I doing that? But it's helpful to be able to say, okay, yes, it's been rough at work, but now I get to take a week break and I get to recharge, regroup, and then go back at it again. So I think that's one of the things that's really been helpful. And one of the reasons that I think locums has been attractive and has worked for me. I was speaking to someone recently and they were asking me about burnout. And mm -hmm. some of their friends who said they just didn't want to see patients anymore. They're just tired, you know. And and I, I understand that frustration. A lot of a lot of that manifests in some of the attitudes of the people that we work with. And I, I understand it's not really who you are. It's really that you're just you're tired. Like it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure when you're you're making life and death decisions like every minute. And so Limiting the exposure and saying uh, enough is enough or, or what is enough for you, um, I think it makes it more um, enjoyable to do your job. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, one of one of my theories of life is that we all have our asshole threshold. Like if you stress us enough, if you if you sleep little enough, if you eat little enough, if if things are going wrong in your in your life enough. We will all be assholes. We just have different thresholds for getting getting to that to that. Very place. true. Very true. So I come into the shift and I'm trying to be the happy person. I'm here. Hopefully I'm recharged and I'm ready to take on all the stress that you guys have been going through here and limit some of that, you know, burden from the, you know, the permanent employees there. And so then when when you encounter people who have that demeanor, it's like, I know this is maybe this is not really who you are. Maybe this is because, you know, you're you're burned out and that's the reason why I'm here to help. So, I try to shift my mindset in the personalities of the people that I come into on an assignment. Obviously there's an issue or I wouldn't be here. Right, right. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was that you are a mom and this works well with your with with the way you've set up your your family and work schedule how how do you make that work how is it a a net positive so for me as i mentioned boundaries i have certain criteria for me to take on an assignment i don't want to spend my time in the airport traveling and so um one of my requirements is that is Usually in my region, it's a straight flight. I don't have to drive much when I get there. And usually it's like a really like an hour and a half flight. I, I, I prefer to keep it that way because I like to get in and out. Um, and I like to spend my time at home and not in the airport. So uh, I'm able to, you know, choose which days of the month work for, you know, as far as childcare and my support system. I block those days. And like tonight, I have, an, I have an assignment tomorrow in Orlando and I'll leave at 10 o'clock tonight and my shift starts about 11 tomorrow. So I'll get to the hotel, I'll sleep and I'll work for three days and I'll come home. And really, that's, it's, it's a shorter month for me this month, but that's it. Like I think I've worked a total of maybe nine shifts this month and that's it. I'll be done. And then we go on vacation. I'll take my son to, to Disney <laughs> for his second birthday so I've, I've found ways to make it work. And I think it's really a, a way that you can personalize your experience 
you know, as an emergency medicine physician to figure out what works for you. And a lot of times people think that you have to travel so far or you have to stay three months or a month. And that's really not the case. You can you can find ways to make it work. And you did mention kind of the mindset that you have that you have to have as a as a successful locums doctor. Um, I've worked with locums physicians who who are like, uh, a you know this ER is not working right. The labs slow. The hospitalists are. I mean, like, well, if everything was working, you wouldn't need people would want <laughs> to work need to there. Be here. What yes. were you expecting? So how do you how how do you kind of psych yourself up? How do you get in the right frame of mind so that you know you're going into challenging environments and you still stay positive? The first thing is you know, when I'm starting an assignment, I'm always anxious and I have certain questions that I need to know in order to make sure I know how to handle emergencies. I need to know how stroke alerts work. I need to know, you know, how cath lab works. I need to know, like, what is your systems for those things that I don't have time to ask a whole lot of questions. Once I get that, and where's the airway equipment? Once I get all that down, then I'm 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 a little bit more comfortable. Then you start to figure out what's wrong in terms of the lab takes a long time, or um, you know, maybe you don't have this specialty, and so you you find different things, but. But like you said, if it's a perfect situation, you wouldn't be there. So I don't go into an assignment thinking that everything is going to run smoothly. It just has to run smoothly enough for me to stay out of legal trouble and for me to get through the day. If it's if it's at that level, then I can survive. If it's beyond that, you know, I have like not gone back to assignments. If I felt like it's a dangerous situation, I, I I don't want to go back. And that's one of the other beauties about locums is if you're in a situation, imagine signing a year contract someplace and then figuring out when you get there that this is dangerous, you know? So that's one of the, the pros of being a locums doctor. If it's a situation that you're not comfortable with, you always have the option to, to not continue. Got it. It does seem like it's empowering that you you have the power to set your schedule. You have the power to leave if you if you want to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's great. Let's talk a little bit about the downsides. Um, I think a lot of people in emergency medicine who don't do locums don't want to do it because they don't want to, you know, leave home. They they don't the twelve hours, even if they do twelve hour shifts. Like, well, what am I going to do for those other twelve hours? Well, tell us about the the downsides and and um, how you make it all work. So the downsides, definitely being a contract employee, you know, you have to really pay attention to what your contract says so that you don't end up getting burned in the end. I learned a lot of uh, expensive lessons uh, when I first started as a locums doctor with, you know, companies taking advantage of their clauses with cancellation and waiting until the last minute to cancel all your shifts. So I have some... uh, some methods that I have implemented as I make my schedule so that if someone decides to cancel, that I'm not completely out of my full month of, of work. Um, so that's that's one of the downsides. If, you, if you're not aware of how to make your schedule, then you can get burned. If, if, you know, this, if a hospital decides to hire full-time employees, they will take your, if, if there's a a way that they can do it in your contract to give those shifts to a full-time employee, they will because they don't want to pay the locums prices. But then also one of the key parts in 
being successful in locums is that you know who you're working with, the companies. I have a few groups that I work with that I we have a decent relationship and they don't want to screw me because they know they're going to tap on my shoulder for another assignment. And so um, you got to know who you're working with and know that they have, you know, at least minimal your best interest. You know, they're not going to, of course, they're out for, you know, they're protecting their interests, but at least, you know, show some respect for you as a doctor who has to show up to these assignments. Um, so yeah, cancellations is one thing that is, is you know, you can't avoid unless you have an airtight contract, which companies always leave some kind of clause where they can be able to cancel. And then with COVID, there's all this other wording that has come in contra- contracts now. Some of them want you to pay them back if you cancel and Oh my goodness. You know, is you can get you can get burned if you don't review your contracts well. Got it. Do you have a lawyer reviewer contracts or are you at this point basically a, a master of the contract language and and you do your own? I don't think I'm ever a master until I go to law school, I'm never a master of yes. contract language. <laughs> but I know enough because I do have uh um an MDJD that I actually tap on his shoulder if there's something that I have a concern about or for something I have a question. Um, just to see what his thoughts are, if I need to walk away or if I need to change it. So I do have someone that I I tap on for uh, some advice. I've actually had him speak and do a contract lecture for the ASAP Locum Tenants Group because I want other doctors to be aware of what they're getting into because that's one of the ways to you know change your perspective of locums if you have a bad experience and you lose your month income because you mm-hmm. planned a month of locums work. Then that would make you say, hey, no, this doesn't work. But if you know the contracts, if you know how to do your schedule, then you can be successful and thrive in in locums work. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the reasons that doctors have a reputation for not necessarily being the best business people or or legally minded is we're we're trusting. We're we're taught that people are good and that that, you know, we are there to help them. They're, you know, they're there because they want our help. Mm-hmm. Everybody's working together, but when it comes to contracts, that's not, it's not our lane. The dynamic. I tend to stay in my lane. My lane is taking care of people. I do have an interest in business, and I know enough about that to be successful and run my business. But if there's something that I'm not comfortable with, accounting, that's one. Yeah. I hire a good accountant and have a good lawyer on your team. And I think if you can start with that, then, you know... Um, that's the that's the first steps in starting your locums business is to make sure you have smart people around you. Got it. Yeah, let's dig in a little bit to the the business side of of being in locums. How do you actually find the jobs? How does you know you you don't have one place to go to work and you wait for your schedule to come out two months in advance? How do you actually get the job? So I actually book my schedule out three month, three sometimes four months out in advance. Um, I have a boutique service that I work with that finds my jobs, knows what my criteria are, or if they change, they adapt, and so they find good assignments for me to work. And I've worked with this uh, this company since I finished residency, and I have some other companies because I don't know what other people's phones look like, but. And maybe it's because I put my face out there to be a locums doc, but I get texts all day, every day. I probably read about or respond to maybe 5% of those just because 
some of the companies you hear about not being so great. And um, I just really like to know who I'm working with before I go into a new assignment. And most of the time, if there's a location, there's one of the people that I'm currently working with can probably also get the contract or or knows about it. So I have two to three companies that I work with on a regular basis just because we have a long-standing relationship. Um, but in the beginning, it was not that way. I worked with some companies that, like I said, canceled shifts at the last minute, put you in a situation where, you know, I worked one twenty-four, two 24-hour shifts in my whole career, and I never went back again because it wasn't sold correctly. And so after you do that once, then I'm my eyebrows are raised about doing any more assignments with, you know, with your company. So transparency is key. If you're if you have a company and they're, you know, transparent for the most part, then and they negotiate, they know, you know, what you know your worth and you can, you know, sell that to them and they will give you the rates that you want, then those are the people you want to, you know, keep on your team. Got it. Let's take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Ivy Clinicians. Full disclosure here, I'm Ivy's founder. Both as a practicing physician and ED medical director, navigating the job market felt like going back to the days of classifieds and smoke-filled rooms. Who staffs which ED? I don't know. Who should I contact there? I don't know. What's it like to work there? You get the point. So our team at Ivy created the Zillow of the emergency medicine job market. With Ivy, you can find all 5,549 EDs in the United States, filter them by your preferences, and connect with the right employers, all for free. Your data is secure with Ivy. You pick which employers can see your profile. Sign up now at ivyclinicians.io. When Ivy connects you with your next emergency medicine job, we will even send you a bottle of champagne and a bag of 321 coffee beans to celebrate. That's ivyclinicians.io. All right, back to the show. And if you're a resident or somebody getting started in locums, how do you know which of the locums companies will have your back and which ones are not going to set you up for success. You don't. <laughs> you don't know. You're coming out in here into, you know, the workforce, you know, bright-eyed, you have no idea. You know, they wave money in your face and sometimes it's not even the right number. Most most of the time, 95% of the time, they're lowballing. And mm-hmm. one of my biggest things and I, I if anyone's getting into locums, please talk to someone who is experienced in locums to make sure that you are getting what you are worth. Because if they pay you that low ball number, then they're going to come to me at that low ball number. And I'm not going to take it. So <laughs> you need to know what you're worth because we need to set the standard for what, you know, what is reasonable for a contract doctor to, you know, take that risk and take that liability to show up and help a hospital, you know, help a hospital out. So is the ASEP locum section, is that a place where they can go to get some of that advice? That is that is a part of the vision. That's what you know, I want to build a network of doctors who, you know, are out here in the field. They know what's going on. Um, they can share their experiences. And then we can learn from that as we move forward in our careers. I think we need that space because, like I said, we're a lot of times on an island and we find out things that affect us and the way that we're doing our business. 
and somebody else could benefit from that. And so mm-hmm. that is one of the the uh, goals of the ASAP Locum section is to build something where you know we can count on each other to share information so that we can make the right decisions for our own careers. Yeah, smart. Yeah, I, I was working at a, a hospital in Northern Tennessee, and we had locums there, and we found out the locums doctors were getting paid less than than we were the the like local doctors and so i i tried to convince them to just join yeah, two of them were really really good and so i was like you got to join our group or you know, this is great you're you're making less money so how can um and they chose to stay locums cuz they really liked being locums yeah. but how do you how do you prevent being in that situation how do you how do you figure out what you're supposed to get paid talk to other doctors who are doing locums and have been doing it for a long time because most likely they will know. I met a doctor, um, an emergency medicine doctor, and actually this was when I, before I started talking to my classmates, I talked to a lady who had been in academics and she switched into locums and she basically was like, don't accept anything less than this. Um, She you know, sends me referrals to places where, you know, maybe she doesn't have a license, but they're paying paying decent money. So you really, you have to talk to other people. You have to see what, you know, especially even if there's a place that is paying, there's been places that are paying really good money. I'm talking 450s an hour. And it's like, what's going on here? Why are they begging people to come? So, you know, you just need to talk to people just so you know, what type of environment you're entering. You know, sometimes you may meet a doctor who's worked there and is like, it's hell. So you don't want to be in that situation. And sometimes no amount of money is worth that. Um, so yeah, you got to talk. You got to network. You got to, you know, you know, run it by people to figure out, make sure you're you're getting what you're worth. And are there online communities where they can create some of those connections? So there are, there are a couple of uh, Facebook groups that... Um, are out there where people can, you know, share uh, jobs and share experience. But then also there's, you know, ASAP has our, we have our local tenant section, but then mm-hmm. AAEM also has a local tenant section and it's all the same. It's all of us. We're, right. you know, the same people, but um, it's, it's a small, it's a small community. And so you should be able to find someone who knows someone who can help you if you have a question about a particular place. Yeah, smart. And then how do you negotiate? So they, I'd assume, like you were saying earlier, a lot of the locums companies will try to lowball you. How do you negotiate with them in a way that is respectful but but firm? So because I only work uh, like 10, on average, 10 shifts a month, I want to get the best bang for my buck. So right. when I talk to other companies or companies that contact me, whatever I'm getting, the highest I'm getting paid in a place, like that's going to get my priority in terms of I'm going to try to work with them to, you know, schedule my shifts out, especially if they've been reliable and they haven't canceled on me and, you know, it was a good relationship. So when people call me, I, I'm i very honest. They, they come with these low numbers and I'm like, well, I don't do anything for less than this. So if you have any opportunities that are within this range, then we can discuss and then that's when I'm like, okay, well, let's get the details of the facility if they're willing to pay that. But you have to be careful because having that conversation with random companies that call you, sometimes they will try to present you. 
So sending your CV out, not a great idea. Um, Cause if they present you, you're in a, you're in a, uh, uh, agreement with them and, and they you can't get staffed to that particular facility by anyone else. So you have to be careful in a sense of that, but just not moving forward if they're not coming with your rate. I've, I've heard stories where people will try to present, I've been contacted where companies will try to present you to a hospital and then negotiate the rate. Well, now you're still tied into them and you may not even you know get out your bed for the rate that they're offering. So there's so many different ways that companies will try to take advantage of the situation. And so that's why with ASAP, I want doctors to be knowledgeable of, of what they're getting into so that they don't make those same mistakes. Got it. And tell me if I if I have this right, the locums company actually does two different negotiations, right? They negotiate with the hospital for the rate that they get, mm-hmm. and then they have a separate negotiation with the physician and neither side usually knows the number of the of the other side. Is that I think is that, that is correct? I think that is correct. I don't know the specifics of all the you know business how people are set up, but I do know um, the company negotiates the rate for the doctor, and that's it. That's what the the that's what they know, and then the company decides what they're going to pay you. They include their you know especially if they're including travel the malpractice, they want to, you know, say that they need that to take out the chunk for that amount of money that they're not giving you. And as one occasion where I was privy to what I was actually worth, um, one of the director's uh, uh, assistants sent out an email, was setting up a meeting for us and put down the rate that the company was getting for me. And so I went back to the table and said, hey, <laughs> how can we get closer to that number? You're going to pay this. I'm taking the liability. How do we get me closer to that number? And of course, there's some back and forth, but they they budged. Like, they gave me what, what I'm worth. You know, I made a good impression. If you're a strong doctor, you should be able to negoti- negotiate what you're worth. And, and that's the, the, the joy of like, working with a company who knows you are the truth, then you can ask for what you want because they know you're going to go, you're going to represent their company well, and you're going to do a good job. So yeah, they negotiate what they want and then they give you a percentage of, and and sometimes they're taking the bigger half. That's for sure. Most of the time they're probably taking the bigger half. I believe it. One thing that I've started to see online is locums companies like Aya putting numbers on job posts on Indeed or or LinkedIn, those numbers seem often suspiciously low. If a, if they say, if the person you're talking to says, oh, no, that's just how much we pay, what should the locums person say? Well, until you can reach this number, then I'm not available because this is what I'm getting paid. There are companies that are paying this, and we can have a discussion if you can get me closer to that number. That's it. I I just, I shut down so many companies. It's like, call me back if you get something in this range because they will really lowball, really. Like you have groups that are working with, you have locums companies that are working with contract management groups. So then contract management groups, they're trying to, of course, negotiate for their best interest. And then um, the locums companies, they're trying to pay all their bills and give you a small amount of money. And sometimes I've been in situations where the contract, some of my, some of most of my uh, contracts are directly with the contract management groups. 
there are some that are a locum's company working with the contract management group. When you're working with these, like the third person, their rates are going to be much lower than what the contract management group can offer you directly, if that makes sense. That's interesting. So so dig into that a little bit. So I'm, I'm curious about how you pull that off. So how you get around the agencies and go directly to the um, the contract holder. That's what my people do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what one of that's what I I keep a, the boutique person. She's able to do that. The hospitals will try to keep a company instead of working directly with the physician because the company, the locum's company, is going to do all of the vetting. They're going to make sure that you are someone who can work there. They take care of the malpractice, so they're going to take care of all the stuff that the hospital doesn't want to take care of. So unless a hospital really likes you and there's some benefit to you coming there, like you're going to pick up a certain amount of, of shifts, then they most of the times they're not going to work directly with, with the physician. And if you get to an assignment and you decide you want to work with, for them, then there's always usually a clause where that company, somebody has to buy you out if you're going to go work for them directly. So a lot of times they'll just stick to... Uh, a company to handle all of that part of it because then they don't have to worry about the hiring, the firing. They don't have to do all that part. And there's also the the dynamic of this locum's doctor is likely making significantly more money than the local doctors. If it was coming out of the same place, then the local doctors start saying, well, why is this person making $30 an hour more than than I am, but if it's a separate company, then the medical director can just say, I, you know, they don't, they to don't do know. This yeah. is somebody else's pocket that it's coming out. They of. just make the assumption you're making a lot. They, they do that anyway. Make the assumption you're making a lot more than them. So sometimes that can bring a little uh, tension in the workplace if they know you're, you know, getting paid significantly more money, you're doing the same job. It's like, so you you deal with that part too, but most of the majority of the time, everyone is pleasant. They're happy you're there. So, for those that try to be abrasive about that, how, how do you respond to that? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just move on. When this shift is over, I'm going home. I'm gonna get my check, and I can't. That's that's the joy. You don't have to get involved with the politics. I don't have to get involved with the drama. Is you you have heard people make comments? Oh, she could take. She can do it. She's getting paid a lot more than me. She can see that patient. She's. It's like, okay, I don't have an issue with seeing patients. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to sign out to you whatever I have and I'm going home. Right. Or I'm going to get paid overtime. And you don't want me to get paid overtime. So it's best that we work together so, uh, you know, we can keep the environment, you know, in in a happy place. Yeah. You have the upper hand in that situation. You're the one helping them. Exactly. So I don't, I don't, I, bounce, I let this stuff just roll off my shoulder. I don't really respond to that. I'm there. I want to be pleasant. I don't want to cause any friction because you're a contract employee. You're there to basically provide a service. Right. So I'm curious about your work during COVID. So during COVID, you took an assistant medical director job, which is a little bit of a change of pace from from locums. What was what was that like going to the same place every day? So, it it wasn't so much a bad thing going to the same place every day. It was the hours. We this is during the peak of COVID and 
you know, frustrating to have to try to transfer a patient from middle Georgia to, I mean, we're calling Virginia, we're calling North and South Carolina, we're calling all over the country to try to find ICU beds or neurosurgery um, doctors who can see patients. And and that's stressful. When you're, when you know you're going to go to work, I'm praying that I don't get a neurosurgery case because I know that the day before I spent hours trying to find someplace for a patient with a brain bleed to go. That is fr- That part right there, that is frustrating. And not to say that that can't happen on a locum's assignment. It's just day in, day out. That's where the burnout comes in. And I think COVID on top of that, the you know nursing shortages, all of that played a role. And then you're add on, not just the emergency doctor part of it, but the administrative part of that and trying to make things work when things are so dynamic and changing every day. You don't know what the waiting room might look like one day. You don't know what the bed situation might look like on another day. You don't know how many nurses are going to call off on a So many different factors that made that a stressful, a stressful job. I could not wait to get back into um, having more control over my schedule, limiting my exposure to that, and just having more say in, you know, how I showed up to work. Like, me being a factor in that and not letting all this external stuff affect me as a doctor and as a person in my workplace. That's great. So I think it's very obvious listening to Dr. Goldsmith that she's a real leader, real inspiring uh, presence. And if you want to hear more of Dr. Goldsmith, she actually has um, a podcast of her own called The Locum's Lounge. I so do. Jamila, can you tell us a little bit more about The Locum's Lounge? Yes, The Locum's Lounge. This is one of the projects that I started when I left my administrative job. I was like, I'm going to put time into something that I enjoy. And so The Locum's Lounge is just a place uh, for physicians or anyone who's working in uh, in medicine and has the ability to work as a contractor um, in their field, uh, just to get some knowledge about how to change your mindset and how you approach your job, equipping them with the knowledge to know that you don't have to be inside of the box, like you can create your own path. And a lot of people have found it to be helpful, even people who are not in medicine. So uh, definitely check it out, uh, uh, give feedback, reach out, DM me. Um, I, I love to hear from people who are listening and how it's helped them to you know, approach their, their careers. That's great. So I do have a few concluding questions. One is, what makes you optimistic about the future of emergency medicine? You know, the the match numbers that recently came out and the way that you watch this trickle down of emergency medicine in terms of uh, um, desirability, I, I think that's unfortunate because I, I definitely love my job and I would do emergency medicine all over again. Of course, it's tempting t- with everything that's going on in the uh, uh, like the culture of like the business of emergency medicine. It's it's messy. It's really messy. But I love what I do, and I think that even though our numbers have dropped in terms of uh, the match, that maybe this will be the period where we can. Uh, level out because there was a period where we were having too many emergency doctors and worried about not having enough jobs. So I think this is a law that maybe we needed. And so I'm optimistic that we'll be okay as a specialty and that, you know, there's all so many different factors, but the reality is 
these companies are not going to be able to completely eliminate the emergency medicine doctor. I, I truly, I, I don't believe that. So I, I stay positive in that sense. And um, as far as locums, you know, I think we're creating a demand for for us to be able to come work in these places where maybe they they are short physicians. So I think it, it works out for for me as a contractor. That's great. And is there one person that you'd like to highlight that uh, you work with or have worked with who really has gone above above and beyond for for their colleagues or for patients? I would like to take it back to University of Chicago to a physician now, but a medical student during the time that I was there who is definitely shining, um, Abdullah Pratt. He is a, a black male a physician who, if I'm not mistaken, was raised on the south side of Chicago. And he is making his mission to give back to that community. He's, you know, started some programs to, you know, increase the pipeline of, uh, you know, physicians of color who are entering medicine and emergency medicine. And I think that is just awesome. Um, he he finishes residency there. He's back on staff at University of Chicago, and he is killing the game. I want to give him a shout out. Oh, that's great. It's really needed. I mean, if you look at at the stats of emergency medicine, just medicine in general, there's no question we need more racial diversity, economic diversity, and there's no question that will bring better care to patients. Exactly. I agree. So one question I always ask is, what book or movie would you recommend to our audience? So I just finished a book. um, It's called Atomic Habits. Have you heard of this book? Atomic Habits. I really like this book because if you're a person who is looking to uh, um, figure out a way to improve some things in your life and uh, create a routine or uh, not procrastinate as much, then that book will definitely give you some insight in how you can make some small changes in your life that'll make big impacts. Love it. So Jamila, you've been great. And if folks want to reach you, learn more about the ASAP uh, locum section or locums in general, what's the best way for them to reach you? You can feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my email is jamila.goldsmith at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on Instagram, the Locums Lounge. I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter. So um, you can pretty much find me anywhere on social media, LinkedIn. Um, just you know, feel free to drop me, drop me a line, and you know, I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Awesome. Well, thanks for being such a great leader and and bringing a, a positive attitude to emergency medicine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast. If you have feedback for us or just have some thoughts on this episode, hit us up on social media at EM Workforce. And don't forget to subscribe now to this podcast on your favorite podcast app or at emergencymedicineworkforce.com. This podcast is edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Leon Edelman, and if you're in the emergency medicine trenches, I appreciate all the work that you do. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.